everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the podcast daily. We are one day removed from the start of the early signing period where Ohio State signed 20 players, Berm? 19 players? I don't know. It 19 was, is, is uh, yeah, okay. seems like flies. it's going to end up at 19. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, we realized when we were doing snap judgments on Wednesday that we talked a lot about college football shenanigans and maybe not specifically about the guys who actually, Allegedly. Who actually decided to join Ohio State. So we're going to do that uh, today. It was Bill Landis' idea to shift it into a forward-looking stock watch for the guys who did pick Ohio State, Jeremy Birmingham and Austin Ward. We're just going to tag along with that idea as well because when we hear a good one, we take it. Love it. So can I go first? Sure. All right. Uh, Berm said something on Monday when we were recording the Daily that I quite honestly have not stopped thinking about since then, and it's that <laughs> Luke Montgomery one day will be a tremendous center, uh, and I love the idea. But he's going to start his career at tackle, and obviously you like that versatility. I I'm I think he should get his shot at tackle, but it's more his his athleticism that I find myself really enamored with. And Ryan Day was asked on on Wednesday about the potential for him to play early. Seems unlikely to me. He probably needs to add on what twenty thirty pounds. He's up to two ninety five. Is he? Okay. Uh, so I mean, you're he's actually trying to lose. Uh, he told me he's actually trying to lose five before he gets here. Mm, um, me too. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I'd imagine you'll see him play his freshman year at about 310. Okay, well, that that's more realistic to me then because I, I thought he might be like more like 270, and obviously that's pretty light to play tackle at, at this level. Um, still, I think unlikely that he starts as a true freshman, and I think it's probably unfair for most players to make them start as a true freshman, and, and especially at that position. But uh, I think he's a kid with tr- a tremendous amount of, of upside, clearly, as the number one player in the state of Ohio and a borderline five-star prospect. Um We've talked a lot about Ohio State trying to get offensive linemen of that caliber, and they haven't done it nationally, but I don't think that should discredit doing it locally. So Luke was was a major get for them. And Ryan Day talked about the fact that he's a guy that could play all five positions. That's sort of been their MO. That's one of the reasons they really love Josh Fryer in the class of 2020, someone that was in that six foot five, six foot five and a half range that could do multiple things. I, I did say on Monday, I really think Luke's professional football career will be at center. I just see too much out of him there that I think... You compared trans- him to Jason Kelsey. I think that's why I keep thinking Yeah, I, I, it translates to me, and so that's why I see it. But he is going to get that shot to play tackle, and um, you certainly can't dismiss that, that Ohio State sees him that way. Um, they get paid a lot more money than I do <laughs> to prognosticate how a player will develop. So that's where they see him. That's what you should expect. But, um, you know, another player that Ohio State sees some way uh, differently than others, I think, at times... Um, is a guy like Millie Cartford, who I think that he's long, he's rangy, he's like almost six foot three, so he's a taller safety, and but he's still pretty skinny. He's only like one hundred seventy pounds. I think he's that that next wave of safety that you're really looking for. That guy that can come down in the box and play a linebacker type spot, but also be really nasty in coverage. And he is a big time like hitter. Like that dude likes to hurt people in the nicest possible way. <laughs> Uh, so I think he's a guy that didn't get talked about at all on Wednesday in the signing period. And I think that, again, because he's from Ohio, sometimes people get overlooked and shouldn't because he is an absolute star in the in the making. I was fascinated. One of the things I wanted to ask Ryan Day on, on Wednesday uh, but didn't get a chance to was how often a, a, a new assistant coach comes in and says, that's a guy I have to have, and then Ohio State jumped on it quickly. I mean, Perry Eliano – Almost had Malik Hartford as a commit to Cincinnati when he was with the Bearcats, 
and then took the job with Ohio State. And the first thing that the Buckeyes did when Eliano got to campus was offer Malik Hartford, and it turned out pretty well. So um, I, I, I was curious how how much free uh, you know ability the new coaches have to kind of make these decisions. But whatever ultimately swung the the, the ball in the direction of Malik Hartford, it's a good sign for Ohio State because he's he's got a lot to, to go, a lot of positives building up. I I know how much everybody loves it when I say Ohio State doesn't need true freshmen to play and that I don't generally expect that they will. Um, So I'll just get that caveat out of the way. This is more with the long-term view of Jelani Thurman, who I think is a different kind of athlete than the rest of Ohio State's tight ends. Uh, He, you know, he's got the ability, of course, I think to go out and be a threat as a receiver. Uh, We've seen that. That's not uncommon, but he's already built, I think, pretty pretty stoutly to maybe become a physical blocker and you know that the easy punchlines about Ohio State tight ends are, can jump in there that, well, which one of those things is more important? Which one are they actually going to do here? I think that Keenan Bailey, I really respect him, and I, I did Kevin Wilson as well. I just wonder if he's going to – Kate Stover's talked about the ability that Keenan had to help expand his route running ability. and We know that he's got you know a knowledge about footwork and, and toughness. I, I wonder if – like Ohio State will become more well-rounded with what, the way they use their tight ends moving forward or that they sense the need to. And all this talk about Georgia and the combo they have, if Ohio State can get to that point, I think Johnny Thurman would be a key part of that. Uh, I'm projecting forward. I think he can be very good. I, I would say, that too, that like Joe Royer can be a big part of that, that Ohio State's a lot more uh, optimistic about his future coming off of a rough year that, well, maybe Thurman could go in and do that right away. I don't think there's going to be that need for him to do that, but with one year of development and then a leap forward, I, I think he can be a very good player in the Ohio State offense. There's probably not a position in the Ohio State program that takes a longer development path than tight end does. So if, for me, the question with Jelani is how patient is he willing to be, understanding that this is a kid who whose dad played at Georgia. He's got a, a, lot, of, a lot of athletic ability, used to being the star. How is he willing to adjust to this role where it's like you are going to need a year to learn how to do stuff. Now that doesn't mean he shouldn't get a chance to play early because his athletic ability is different. As you said, I'm just, I don't mean to continue to add context, but you should, you know, these guys better than I do. I was going to ask because my view on the high state tight end position, and it's not unique. I think people feel the same way is that they've, they've too often taken receivers and tried to turn them into tight ends. Ben a Christian last year was, was I think a different, kind of uh, tight end signee. And, but even Jelani, if you consider him more of a, of a tight, or more of a receiver who needs to develop in that way, his athleticism is like way different than anybody else they brought in yeah. who, who was in that mold too, right? For Jelani, I think it's more about physical development. I mean, he is six foot six and 235 pounds, but he, he's, he needs to fill out and he hasn't spent a lot of time really developing his body. He plays basketball. He does a lot of other stuff. It's not, he's not a weight room freak. Um, you know, that is going to change. If you look at guys in the past like Sam Hart um, and Royer and Jeremy uh, Jeremy Ruckert, like these are guys who were just split out wide as as yeah. wide receivers who are big enough and, and big bodied enough that you can make a tight end. This is a kid who his length is totally different than any of these other guys. If you look at his arms, like he's just a different type of specimen. Uh, I thought Ryan Day's um, like. Demeanor, countenance, whatever, changed pretty dramatically when he started talking about Lincoln Keenholz um, and and the competitiveness that he brings to the table, similar to a Devin Brown, where like they just don't care that Ohio State's loaded a quarterback. And I think those guys are really difficult to find. Uh, Ohio State has found 
uh, or, or managed to find two of them in, in back-to-back classes. I think Kyle McCord is probably that way too. I don't, I don't want to discredit him. He he kind of walked into a slightly different situation than, than Devin certainly committed to, and that what Lincoln is walking into now. But but it's competitive nonetheless, or was competitive nonetheless. But when you add that to what you see on film from from Lincoln, and like I get, he's in South Dakota. Whatever, it's maybe not the the best level of, of high school football that that you can find. He looks like a pretty freaking dynamic athlete to me, and I, I don't know. I I said this on the message board like as a joke, but how many people like walking around can throw the football like that, hit a three pointer, and hit a home run? Like I think probably not that many. Like that is <laughs> to have like the body mechanics and and the coordination to be able to do all those things. I think is 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 quite rare, and the idea that Ohio State was able to find a quarterback with that athletic profile this late in the process uh, I think should be really exciting to Ohio State fans, and then clearly there's going to be a, a extended period of time before Lincoln is competing to get on the field here, but it's also an easier notion to entertain in the world where all of a sudden they don't have the number one quarterback in the country committed in 2024. I think, you know, with two, three years down the road, you can think to yourself, like, yeah, I, I look at what what's there now with him and see what's what's coming down the pike, and, and I believe that Lincoln Keenholz is, is plenty good enough to be the starting quarterback here. Someday. It's a pretty interesting dynamic that's playing out in that quarterback room moving forward into the spring because you're going to have, well, Lincoln Keenholz won't be part of that until uh, later on, I guess, in the summer. So, But at least by next training camp, let's say, uh, maybe the situation will be different, who knows. But you, you have these two really dynamic, much more dual-threat style quarterbacks in Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz, and you, Kyle McCord is more athletic than I think he gets credit for, but he's not going to pull the ball a bunch on his own read or scramble around and make a bunch of plays that way. So I think there's going to be, I don't know if Berm, it was on purpose that those are the two that they wound up with in the last two cycles because they may sense that they need to run the football more with the quarterback. I know that Ryan Day is going to resist that no matter which one he winds up with, because even Justin Fields wasn't turned loose to go run the football a bunch of times because of the risk of injury. So I, I don't know how much of that is by design or how much Kyle McCord can say throughout March and April, that's still not going to matter because my elite talent is still my arm and that's going to power the rest of this attack. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the more like overarching questions about the philosophy of quarterbacks. And Ryan Day talked a lot about what he liked about Keenholz, but it wasn't really anything about his physical game. It was about the mental stuff. And, you know, there were comparisons inside of this building last year that Devin Brown reminded some people of Joe Burrow. And maybe it's just trite. Maybe it's cliche at this point. But, you know, when I asked someone when they, when Keenholz was committing, what do you see? The answer was, I'm not saying he's Joe Burrow, but dot, dot, dot. Like, and I said this on the radio uh, with Bo Bishop on, on Wednesday. If Lincoln Keenholz was from small town Ohio instead of big city South Dakota, the comparisons between him and Joe Burrow would be all over the place because the size is the same, the haircut's the same, <laughs> the way they play basketball is the same, the the moxie on the field is the same. Um, you know, I did the, the story with, with Steve Seal, his coach uh, at TF Riggs High School. He said, like, when they do scout teams, he's going up and lining up a, cor- a corner just to make sure that he's competing against the best guys on his team and wants to win. So there's a lot to like about Lincoln Keenholz. Okay. Who else is a stock that you're buying right now? Um, the one that I think, you know, there are one of the fascinating factors about this signing class to me is how different they are comparatively to pretty much everywhere else in the country. That This is not a group of guys that were like attention seekers on social media. Yeah, you had 
Carnell Tate, who did a lot of stuff, but nothing really since he committed. And so to be fair to the kid, like he committed and, and stuff got locked down. Uh, there was still late conversation about wanting to go visit Tennessee to see the Alabama-Tennessee game, but who wouldn't have wanted to do that? And he actually chose not to do that because he didn't want people to get the wrong idea. But in a class full of guys that really don't talk much or weren't really attention seekers, I think you lose appreciation for guys like Noah Rogers, who I truly believe is going to be the best receiver of this group when it comes down uh, at the end of, of end of his Ohio State career. His his profile, his size, speed, his work ethic, it, it, he's thick. Like he's he's a guy that runs extremely well. He's faster than than Tate. He's at the same size. I mean. It's a Mike Thomas type receiver, but he's a guy that is is going to take it very seriously. Never looked anywhere else. Basically, he committed to Ohio State at the spring game when he visited here in April. Wanted to wait until June to take his official visit to make it uh, public because he wanted his mother to be there with him and stuff like that. And there was always conversation of oh North Carolina State every time. Like, no, I don't know where that comes from. I don't, people just when kids don't talk, what happens <laughs> so often in the media is that. Words Fill the put void. In their mouths, yeah. And it's so unfair. But I, I think that the worst part of that is that people don't get a chance to really love the, the kids up in the process and say, hey, this dude's really, really good. Noah Rogers is really, really good. Yeah. Yes. He he's, he's my. It's hard to pick a favorite because the four are really good, but he's also my favorite guy in that class. Well, I think you know, some of that is. I talked about it on Wednesday. Where would be the fastest? What's the easiest way? The further away you are from the football wide receiver and cornerback. And those four guys are all very good. Probably would help if whoever's best equipped maybe to play in the slot would probably be beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see how that transpires because Brian Hartline's not going to try and make them only learn one position when they get here. They're going to have to try and do all three. Uh, they throw a lot at them in a hurry, which is sometimes why you don't see, like even with Garrett Wilson, for example, the light come on until six, seven games into their freshman season. Um, that's sort of by design with Brian Hartline. Didn't really happen at all with last year's true freshman class, which I think is why there's so much more urgency and intensity and, and hype with this next group because they know that they need it. I, I don't, and I don't at corner. I don't know. Doesn't matter. One of one of those guys has to probably jump in pretty quickly. Uh, and I don't. I'm not trying to make a prediction. I don't know. Like it's it's hard to say. Their their recruiting profiles are pretty pretty similar. similar. Like there's not gonna be there's nothing that I could say it's gonna be this guy or that guy, so I won't pretend to. That position though is still pretty thin. Cameron Brown is gone. Denzel Burke has struggled, and certainly he can change the conversation uh, on New Year's Eve. Jordan Hancock can as well. But you look at what's transpired with that group, dealing with a lot of injuries and then just not having great depth in scholarship numbers. So I think it's pretty likely that Ohio State will pursue and try to sign somebody out of the transfer portal with that position. But for the long-term interest of it, somebody who has taken this opportunity and knows what's in front of them, I think is going to have to capitalize on it pretty quickly. I don't know which one. Well, I think the, the good thing about that is they is both Calvin Simpson Hunt and Jermaine Matthews seem like they are have the mental makeup to step into that situation and, and probably relish it, right? Yeah, these are not divas. I mean, yeah. These are guys that are going to come in and work, and they're not going to expect anything to be handed to them. I think you, in some ways you give the edge to Matthews because he's enrolling early, and so he'll be here. He's already started working out and stuff with the team, so he, he's gotten a head start on getting a head start. So he's going to know what to expect. But if you just look at Calvin Simpson Hunt as a pure athlete, he's a different level. And that's not a knock on Jermaine. He ran a sub-4-4 four, four at Ohio State. But 
Calvin with his length and his he's 195 pounds. Like he's a little bit different. He reminds me much more of Jeff Okuda coming out of high school than Jermaine does, which I guess is sort of the standard when you're talking about playing early at corner and actually contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, but either one of those guys, as you said, like someone has to step up. To. And now again, because Ohio State lost Kay and Lee to Auburn on Wednesday, you do wonder if uh, Fentrell Cypress uh, is a guy that you look at now. And I think that Ohio State was being reluctant to dive into the transfer portal. And I talked about that earlier this week, how there were players who are saying, hey, I appreciate that. But the game has changed a little bit now, and the, the calculus has changed. You need another corner. So we'll see if the Buckeyes can, well, can fix that problem. And I think, room. you know, to your point on that, it's you referenced this on Monday. Like the, the person that you were talking about was Jordan Hancock. Yeah. And you can say now, well, here, we were going to add three yeah. or four. So the numbers have changed. Like, there's not a freshman coming in. We need somebody else to compete. You're not going to be able to do it alone. Like, Jordan Hancock is going to have the opportunity to be the top cornerback at Ohio State. That won't have changed. Yeah. He'll have experience, and he'll be able to do that. But, you know, if there is uncertainty about two or then a three-man rotation, you have to say, well, somebody else had to come in and compete. This is nothing against you. The numbers have changed since since National Signing Day. Yeah, they won, they won eight, right? Isn't that what Ryan Day has said in the past? Like, they, if they can swing it, they would like eight at that position. And I think right now they're going to lose Cameron Brown. That leaves them at five. They're yeah. bringing in two. So, yeah, I mean. You have to have <laughs> six wasn't enough. Like, yeah, look at the problems. Like, you have to have the appropriate number of, of healthy scholarship bodies at certain positions. So I, th- I think that gets forgotten. There were a number of people that asked us about Tim Walton's first year, and like, especially on the message boards at OhioState.Rivals.com. And they, not all of them were just saying, well, Tim Walton must go. It was a question of like, what did he do in year one? Like, why is there this, this opportunity that's going to have year two? Well, because the numbers were, he inherited six scholarship corners, okay? It's not what they wanted, and it's just not enough, especially if you get into August. And two of them are true freshmen. And two are true freshmen, and three, your top three, are all injured within the first week of camp. Like, why did things struggle? Like, how much fundamental work are you going to get? They couldn't practice for Jake half Cyber the season. Was playing cor- like, was playing cornerback like, that was the joke on day one. Like, they had to get another body out there, and they used a kicker. Like, why did this happen? This is why it happened. Yeah. And so somebody else is going to have to fill that void, whether that's enrolling – you know, now or showing up later or somebody from the transfer portal, like that is a position that you're right to criticize. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it does have to be addressed for next year because this, the number situation is not good. And in Tim Walton's, I don't I guess, defense, according to a number of the recruiting agencies around the country, Jermaine Matthews and, and Calvin Simpson Hunter, both top four corners in the nation. Like you signed two of the top four, that's pretty good. Like that used to be, we're celebrating around here, <laughs> and now it's just not. So, I mean, you have to figure out a way to to balance that, I guess. Hey, and that's that gets us into the other argument that existed on Wednesday. Like the per player average remains very high for this program. They just just need more of them. They don't have thirty like some yeah. other places. So yeah, even I mean, nineteen is, is low. Yeah, for, yeah usually they're that was what Ryan Day signed in his first year. It was was seventeen. Uh, seventeen players when he took over for Urban Meyer, and no one had any idea what the program was going to do. <laughs> so here we are. Four years later, you don't expect a class that small. Yeah, I think yeah. he said at that time, like, well, this is, we're probably never going to do this again. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, well. Um, all right. Anybody else you just want to throw in there? Very quickly, uh, Arvell Reese. Um, I From like a, just like a pure height, weight, speed athlete perspective, I think is is um, pretty enticing as, as a player positionally. Like, I, you know, I hope he gets a shot to play a linebacker. I think he could play the edge. He kind of reminds me of – like Malik Harrison a little bit, but that kind of potential. But also I just think it's really cool that there's another Glenville guy coming to Ohio State and that the 
pipeline is back open because there's probably more coming down the line. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be next year. It's probably not going to be because we expect Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg to return, and those two are certainly going to be the starters at linebacker for Ohio State. But the idea of in 2024 of having a six foot four, 240 pound running a four five CJ Hicks and a six foot four, 240 pound running a four five Arvell Reese at line, having two LeVar Arringtons basically <laughs> oh. playing linebacker at the same time. Sounds like a lot of fun to me, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Is it one Malik Harrison and one LeVar Arrington? No, I mean, they're, they're both. I mean, Malik, Har- Malik, uh, Malik, Harrington, Malik, Malik Harrison was one of the more underappreciated athletes that has come through here in the last decade. Right. But these guys are a different, more twitchy mm. uh, type of athlete. Malik didn't have that top-end speed. Like he's, a, he's a freak explosive athlete, but didn't have that, that just sideline-to-sideline side stuff. He, I was going to. Make a Baron Browning joke, but I'll just yeah. We'll say, just, we can, that's one of those we don't talk about. I'll just say that unmentionable for, uh, for another conversation. If, if I was going to add one more player to to really that I, I'm super excited about, it's Caden McDonald. I just think that as far as if he was an inch and a half taller, if he's six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, he would have been committed to Georgia a year ago, and he's the exact type of player that Ohio State fans would be on message boards going, "Oh, why can't we get players like this?" I get it. He's not an inch and a half taller. So he's only six two and a half at three hundred twenty pounds, playing fullback for the best team in Georgia. One of the best teams, like kids, a freak, like a freak, freak, freak. Players like Caden McDonald do not exist in the Big Ten. He is going to play as a freshman, and he is going to make a lot of problems for people. He is a very different type of defensive tackle than Ohio State's had in a while. And the first step is something that you just don't see out of young guys. He he he's going to make a difference. Definitely need that if you look at what happened uh, over the course of the year. Certainly if you're going to win national championships, those it's been proven you need those guys and those big dudes having an impact in the trenches. So, Should we just say that Brandon Ennis is going to start at wide receiver next year? Well, I, I was going to. He's going to show up in June, but as you mentioned, when you're talking about whoever plays the slot yeah, is the guy that's in the spot that, that really has a chance to, to advance early. He just happens to be the one that shows up latest, but it's not going to stop him. Yeah, well, that's why I didn't say it. Because we got a lot of time to talk about these kids. Though. Yeah. yeah. And we'll do that on the podcast because we're going to do that uh, all year long. That's what we do with the Daily. Um, hope you enjoyed this latest episode. A lot more coming your way as we get ready for the Peach Bowl, uh, that early signing period uh, celebration, if you want to call it that, for Ohio State wrapped up on Wednesday. Good to break it down, as always, with Jeremy Birmingham and Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. We'll talk to you later.